Well, as I said a moment ago, we're in week three of our sermon series, and we're going to be um, revisiting uh, our Cranmer Group Vision and Values, or we are revisiting our Cranmer Group Vision and Values that we launched uh, a couple of years ago, and which um, I felt we really needed to refresh amongst us all. So if you haven't um, been here the last couple of um, Sundays, um, do catch up with those sermons, as I said um, uh, in the notices. I really encourage you to listen to them all and to, to, um, to find out um, what they say about uh, our priorities as followers of Jesus Christ and what we hope to be and how we hope to be that in our communities, uh, our villages, um, in our lives in general. So, I'll have a quick reminder on the screens of our uh, vision statement. Um, what, if you like, we seek to be as our church family and the values that underlie it, the how we seek to live out that. Our vision, that we are one growing community of disciples who seek to love Jesus, one another, our villages and God's world. And our values underlying that as we follow Jesus, we seek to be prayerful, joyful, hopeful, welcoming, generous and courageous. There's an excellent book on prayer that I know some of you have journeyed through together over the last couple of years and found very helpful. It's called How to Pray uh, by Pete Grove, the founder of the 24-7 Prayer Movement. And I think it's, it's an excellent book, um, so much so um, that having thought that I would um, hold up now um, my copy to you all to illustrate that point, uh, I find that I have lent it to a parishioner so that they too can benefit from its wisdom. I'm not sure which one it is. If it happens to be one of you, lovely to come back sometime. Um, I hope you're enjoying it. Um, so therefore my prop is his follow-up. You'll have to imagine. So um, how to pray. This is his, his follow-up. How to hear God. Very much uh, obviously along the same, same sort of theme and it's, uh, it's equally good and I thoroughly recommend that to you as well. Um, but this morning uh, I'd like to speak to you all not uh, so much about how to pray um, but rather more um, about, uh, if you like, uh, why to pray. And I want to do some exploring with us all of why we pray and especially why it's one of these values that we share as the gathered people of God uh, here in our Cranmer group, that we seek to be prayerful. In fact, it's the very first of those values. We did go slightly off piece last week um, with our generosity. That sort of got promoted up the list um, because it seemed particularly appropriate to do so uh, for our Harvest Cafe Church. And so we reflected uh, on what it is to seek to be generous. Um, but I guess there's also a bit of logic uh, to that as well, because we love, because God first loved us, as we read in the first letter of John. We are who we are, because God first reached out his hand in generosity to us. And all we do is in response to his first move. He wants to engage with us, he wants to connect with us 
He wants to be in relationship with us. The way in which we enter into that relationship with God, of course, is in prayer. The place where we bring to God the things that are on our hearts. The place in which God himself can speak to us. Whatever form that speaking may actually take in the, the huge range of, of personalities and circumstances and styles, if you like, of prayer that, that we encompass. Many different ways of hearing from God. What form, I wonder, does this speaking to God and listening to what he has to say to us, what form does this take for you? I imagine that we all absolutely recognise the sort of prayer that we say when something isn't as it should be in our lives, or perhaps especially uh, the lives of others dear or known to us. When we cry out to God to intervene because our friend is desperately ill, because we or someone dear to us maybe, uh, we're so anxious about the exam grades that we have been studying or they have been studying so hard for. Maybe because, uh, and this is obviously close to home, our children aren't sleeping at night. These are what we might call petition prayers, asking prayers, or uh, more technically in, in prayer speak, if you like, they're, they're known as supplication. All of these sorts of prayers, which are uh, perhaps what a non-Christian might uh, most readily come up with if they were asked to describe prayer. All of these sorts of prayers are hugely important and God's responses to them can often be the most incredible testimonies to his goodness. But when our, um, our sort of decision-making body, if you like, in, in the benefits, our benefits council and our, our ministry team, when they and I um, discussed and we prayed about, obviously, um, what the values uh, underlying our Cranmer Group vision um, that I've spoken about um, these last two Sundays, what they should be, um, these sorts of prayers uh, actually weren't what I was really uh, thinking about, not quite so much what I had in mind. So let me show you rather more what I was thinking about. And to do this, I'm going to turn to our uh, reading this morning from the book of Acts. So in this passage, in the very early days of the church, the apostles Peter and John, they have just been imprisoned by the Jewish religious authorities. But then they're released back into uh, their 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 gang, their, their crew, their tiny group of followers of Jesus. They burst into that gathering with news of their imprisonment, all the threats that be, have been made against them, but also um, they share the way in which they had been able to stand in front of the religious authorities, the Sanhedrin, um, filled with the confidence that comes um, from, uh, from the word of God and from the presence of God, from the Holy Spirit in them. And that they were able to give a public testimony to the good news that Jesus brings for everyone. And then the whole group reacts with joy and with celebration, praises God for all that he has done through Peter 
and John in this um, little sequence of events. And um, the writer of the Acts of Apostles, who we think is uh, Luke, who wrote um, the Gospel, um, he says of, uh, of these, uh, these Christians, these early Christians, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. This response of prayer is entirely natural for that community of believers because it appears that they're so open to God moving amongst them uh, through the presence of his Holy Spirit that, that corporate prayer, this, this sort of open, um, allowed prayer in response to events just happening and they pray about that, um, that, that sort of corporate prayer flows out of them as a spontaneous response to the events that they witness rather appropriately, considering which book of the Bible this reading comes from, there's an acronym that's often used by those who, uh, who are wanting to explore prayer a bit further and giving a structure to them thinking about prayer and for praying itself. And the acronym for how we might choose to pray is this. It is A-C-T-S, ACTS. It stands for Adoration. Confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And the idea is that you, you pray each of those sequentially. That's, that's the, the right way, or a right way, a good way, perhaps, is the better way to think about it. There's no right way to pray. pray. We pray how we pray. Uh, but that can be a good way of um, thinking about how we may wish to pray. And in this extract from, um, from chapter 4 of, of the book of Acts, um, it's absolutely clear that before this uh, group of, um, of Christians uh, says anything uh, in thanks to God for the safe delivery of Peter and John from the authorities, uh, this group of disciples, they praise God for all that he has done, all that he's done through history and most especially in that moment. It's this A for adoration, they praise God. Uh, declare, um, uh, declare of who he is and what he has done. That's their adoration with which they start their prayers. Before we come to God to ask for things or even to thank him for the many good things that we've received in life. We're given this great example here in this, in this passage from Acts of a group of early Christians who start their prayer with wonder wonder at the safe delivery of Peter and John, but they start with glorious praises to God and declare aloud all that he is and all that he does. This Acts structure, A-T-T-S, isn't completely followed in this example, however. There's no real confession that we're told about um, in Luke's account of, uh, of this situation. Confession, of course, when we come before God and acknowledge um, what we may have done wrong and ask his forgiveness for, uh, for all of those things before we, we come to him with our personal shopping list, if you like, of, of things that uh, we're asking him for. We ask for forgiveness first and then um, ask for the things that may be uh, particularly on our heart. But um, despite the fact that there's no obvious um, 
reference to this in, uh, in this particular um, sequence of events. Um, I think that um, I'd like to suggest to you that, that this community that, uh, that, um, uh, that Peter and John are part of uh, are steeped in prayer. We see it in their immediate actions. Um, but also, if we continue through the rest of the Book of Acts, we see time and again the outworking of these lives of prayer, that they're attuned to the rhythms of God's own life and the ways in which uh, these disciples interact with everyone who they encounter and with whom they share the good news of Jesus. As our reading says, they stretch out their hands to heal and perform signs and wonders. They are so aligned with, uh, with God's will and, uh, and, uh, and are living in, um, living in the presence of God in that they're bringing the kingdom of God into their situations that, that they encounter in everyday life, that they are able to stretch out their hands to heal and perform signs, perform miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit working in them. That's the extent to which they are connected with God, if you like, through their prayer life. And above all, at the end of this passage, we're told that all who were there waiting for Peter and John, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the words of God boldly. There's a boldness that comes um, from this um, being steeped in prayer, from knowing God's heart, from living it out day in, day out. So the fruit of prayerfulness is precisely this presence of the Holy Spirit in the gathered community of Christ. And of all the beauty that the Holy Spirit brings about in the life of the church and its members, living their lives in the service of Jesus. And in fact, there's another acronym, forgive me for doing two, um, but it's a helpful one as well. There's another acronym, and that's referred to extensively in uh, Pete Gregg's book, How to Pray, and also in, in, in this one, How to Hear God Too. Um, that, to be honest, I rather prefer when uh, thinking not just about how we pray, but also about why we pray. And uh, very helpfully, it is P-R-A-Y. Pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. And that pattern is perhaps rather closer to the sequence of actions that the disciples make in our reading than A-C-T-S. But it's also, especially through the why, through yielding to God's will, um, it's especially what I'm thinking of when I say that it's my prayer that we really do become a benefit with a deep prayerfulness at our heart. My hope is that our prayerfulness will change the spiritual atmosphere in our benefits as a whole, in all six of our churches, in our church family as a whole, in each and every part of our communities, that we'll place our reliance on God and trust in him to such an extent that in um, the words of the, um, the, I think, very beautiful um, worship song, Hope and Glory, which we're actually um, going to sing in response uh, to, uh, to what I'm sharing with us this morning. We're going to uh, have that on the screen and sing in a moment. In its words, um, 
we'll place our reliance on God and trust in him um, to such an extent that, and I quote, we will be lost without your glory, lost without you, God. That we rely on God's presence and his uh, direction in our lives to such an extent that we would seem to be lost without him there. Heavenly Father, we yield to you and to your plans for us. Jesus knew that even in the midst of his most dramatic miracles and most profound teachings, he couldn't sustain himself in his own strength. Throughout the Gospels, we see him, and perhaps especially just before or just after the most spiritually significant events in the in, in the three years of his ministry, um, we see him heading off into the mountains to spend time with his heavenly Father, to come close to God in prayer, to receive replenishment, to receive spiritual nourishment from him, and to be challenged and changed. And if you remember um, last week with the um, with the creative um, crafts that we were doing um, around. Uh, around bread for harvest and the, and, the, uh, and the stretchiness of the day, being stretched in a good spiritual way um, by prayer, by the Holy Spirit. Precisely so that Jesus could carry the good news of the kingdom with renewed strength and courage and energy to the crowds that followed him around and that wanted to hear from him day in, day out. In Mark chapter 6, um, the moment of, um, of heightened drama um, that's the feeding of the 5,000 is bookended by Jesus going uh, off into the wilderness. He sends the crowd away because he needs to go and spend time with his father and then afterwards um, he feeds the 5,000 from that place of spiritual replenishment. He knows he needs this time in prayer to do what his father sent him to do. And then after that miracle, between that miracle and him walking on the water, he again goes off into the mountains, spends time with his father, and it's then that he comes back. And out of, uh, out of that replenishment can, uh, can act uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit that he does. Jesus knows that he needs this time in prayer to do what his Father sent him to do. How much more do we need similar times in prayer? Especially, I suggest, collectively. Like those first disciples, if we're to do even a tiny fraction of what they did, as we seek to bring something of God's kingdom into our communities. So what does this mean in practice for us? Well, first of all, there can't be collective prayer life uh, in our benefice if we aren't all building on solid foundations of individual, personal prayer. So I encourage you, um, if you don't already have a pattern of daily prayer, if you don't have a particular place or a particular time um, or a particular way of praying, maybe modelled around the, the A-C-T-S or the P-R-A-Y, um, uh, I uh, strongly recommend you to, to 
develop that sort of uh, rhythm of prayer. Find a routine, find a rhythm, find, a, find when works for you and how it works for you. Maybe you'd like to, to use something like um, this book. It's, a, it's an old version of it, but this is the, um, the, the Church of England's um, daily um, uh, the morning prayer readings um, and a little reflection uh, on, uh, on those as well. That's a, that's a very good um, structure to follow if you, if you like something that's maybe a, 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 bit, uh, a bit meatier. Um, but I, also, I know some, some of us use that, or equally, I know some of us use the, um, the Lectio 365 um, devotional, which you can find on, uh, on Pete Gregg's 24-7 prayer website, um, or via an app on your phone. And even better, you can listen to that as well, not just read it, um, these, are, these are read-only, um, but you can listen to Lectio 365 via the app on your phone. I often uh, do say... Um, uh, went out walking Ella across the fields. If you if you sort of go somewhere near Mill Lane at about eleven o'clock at night, you might um, see uh, a head torch bobbing along the field and, and the dulcet tones of Pete Gregg intoning uh, a bit of prayerfulness uh, as I walk Ella uh, in the dead of the evening. If I've forgotten my headphones, they're normally on, occasionally not. And so we direct Pete, Pete Gregg um, prays for our villagers aloud. Uh, as we're all heading to bed. Equally, join us for morning prayer on Wednesdays or Fridays. We meet uh, online, we meet on Zoom. Um, there's a, a, a small group of us who, who love to share that time together. That's very structured. That's the Church of England service of morning prayer with some intercessions in it. Um, we intercede for, for our communities, particularly the world, um, the events of the day, uh, and all uh, of our church family too. Um, or perhaps, um, maybe I'd, I'd particularly direct you towards this, um, really encourage you to come towards um, our First Things time of intercessory prayer. Once a month, it's called First Things for a reason, because we start with prayer. Um, at the moment it's the first Sunday evening of every month. We're wondering whether it stays there or whether it moves to a slightly different time. But at the moment, first Sunday of every month, one, week, uh, one month is in here, the next month is on Zoom. We alternate. Um, and um, in all of those times together, we're seeking to cover our communities in prayer, to change the spiritual atmosphere of the benefits, to become closer to God and to grow individually and collectively in our discipleship with Jesus and our fellowship with one another. And if you're here today, maybe, and it's a bit unusual for you to be in church, um, and you wouldn't really consider yourself to have a faith in Jesus, then, first of all, it's wonderful to have you with us. Um, but um, do give any of these things a try, and, and obviously come and have a chat with me as well. I'd be delighted to, to help you navigate your way around. Some of them help set things up on phones, if that's what you would like to do, um, or um, lend you one of the books if it ever comes back to me. I could just buy another copy. It was slightly unfortunate that um, rather late, too late yesterday for Amazon to get something to me for nine o'clock this morning. I discovered that that one was still out and about, and I hope it is blessing someone. That's the point of them, isn't it? It's no good them sitting on my shelves. Um, but um, if you'd allow me to finish with an image, I'd like to share with you um, something that occurred to me. Um, 
thinking back to our family holiday this last summer in Norfolk. And near where we stayed um, was a working windmill, um, which Esther and particularly Benji, they absolutely loved to visit. And we, whenever we drove past, they were scanning the horizon to try and see it. Uh, and that wasn't only because they did fantastic sticky bumpers. Uh, there was a lovely play area at the bottom of the of the of the windmill and uh, garden area and, and cafe. And, and we 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 went back about four times, I think it was. It was just it was just a super straightforward, really lovely place to go. Um, and of course, it's absolutely fine when you're going somewhere like that. It's fine to stay at ground level. You, you can, and we did, have a, a very good time there. But then you can climb a flight of steep stairs inside the mill to reach the wooden walkway that, uh, if you can imagine it, is a bit like a belt running, uh, a bit like a sort of low-slung belt, um, a quarter of the way up the mill outside. And from there, you get a better view of everything uh, around the mill and everything that's going on. But then, if you want, you can head back inside the tower and you can climb up three more progressively steeper ladders right up to the level at which the sails are attached. Doing that requires commitment, requires energy. But when you get to the very top, you've got an entirely different vista. You can see so much more clearly everything that's going on down below. You can stay on the ground and that's okay. Or you can put in some effort to get to the first balcony and that's better. Or you can be bolder and more committed. You can reach the very highest point and you can gain, if you like, a heavenly perspective. You can see further, you discern better everything that's going on round about. It takes effort to get there, but it's worth it. So it's my prayer that as we grow together in our prayerfulness with the commitment and energy and perhaps at times rather like being at the top of a windmill, also perhaps some vulnerability that that takes. Commitment, energy and vulnerability. In doing that, growing together in our prayerfulness, together we will experience more fully a sense of God's great love for us all. And that we too, individually and collectively, will attain this perspective of heaven over one another, over our church family, over our villages and all of God's world. In Jesus' name, I pray.